Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is the Balls Over the Top podcast. I am your host, Michael Rock. And I'm your host, Brendan Collins, and we've got another great episode coming at you this week. Yeah, we've got a real tasty show for you guys this week. A lot of exciting news going on. Uh, world football news, uh, transfer deadline day for Europe, the, uh, the altered timeline this year because of COVID. That actually wrapped up today. And uh, the MLS is in full swing. They did have a little bit of a minor COVID outbreak, but mm-hmm. it seems like they're still chugging along, kind of cruising toward postseason. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, NBA Finals to talk about. We had the uh, Stanley Cup finish up uh, in the past week, and we've got Major League Baseball playoffs. We've got plenty to talk about today. Yeah, uh, and then we also have, of course, NFL football going on. I know we have our weekly NFL shows. If you haven't listened to those, you should totally check those out, where we give our picks and predictions each week. Mm-hmm. However, we got some other football news going on that we want to talk about. Yeah. We really want to incorporate here in a couple of storylines that are pretty interesting. Absolutely. So without further ado, why don't we just jump right into things? It was a pretty crazy week in world football this week. Mm-hmm. Definitely some crazy score lines that we saw. I know we had a couple last week. Remember, we were talking last week about some pretty big upsets and how a lot of teams are still trying to find their footing. Well, that continued this week. I mean, two of the most shocking score lines I've ever seen, maybe, came with Manchester United losing 6-1 to to the Tottenham Hotspurs mm-hmm. and then Liverpool mm-hmm. being absolutely dismantled. Yeah. By Aston Villa, seven yeah. to two. They got their slacks attacked. They uh, they got caught without their shorts. Yeah, it was it, a real it was a real brutal display. Yeah, I mean, really, these teams were were shut down. Prolific offenses with both Liverpool and Manchester United totally shut down, and their defenses were made to look pedestrian. Yeah, the Spurs, yeah, they are a world class team, or at least have a big payroll. They have a few world class players, mm-hmm. but Aston Villa. Really, uh, against a Liverpool side that dwarfs them in every way, totally, well, totally dismantled them. You're right, but Aston Villa, I mean, is also running into an unbeaten streak so far. Yeah, I mean, top of the table right now, them and Everton both looking really dominant. Uh, Everton had another really impressive showing this week. Another impressive showing also from my boys, the boys in blue, Chelsea, mm-hmm. had a 4 0 victory over. I believe it was Crystal Palace. Yeah. Uh, well, if, at least they were the boys in blue again, not that dumb salmon color. Oh, boy. That was such an ugly, ugly, ugly kit. Yeah, it was it's really a, it's a real hard rough, to look at. Real rough alternate. So, uh, you know, moving on from those score lines, a couple of uh, big-time transfers yeah. this week. As the deadline day approached, we had, uh, we had a lot of movement going on, a whole bunch of names, big names that you'd recognize, uh, Finding new clubs, finding new destinations. Yeah, uh, one of the biggest names, uh, at least with the big deal, kind of a number of clubs were pursuing him. Thomas Partey moves on from Atletico Madrid, Mm -hmm. sees his 45 million euro, uh, actually I think it was 45 million pound, 50 million euros, uh, release clause activated by Arsenal. Mm -hmm. And he's going to definitely add another dynamic flair to that team that's looked pretty good to start the season. Yeah. Um, should really help solidify their midfield. A lot of a lot of Arsenal's issues have kind of come from their lack of abil- uh, lack of ability to kind of translate from the back line to the offensive, and uh, he should really help help with that. He's a he's a good box, yeah, solidif- box midfielder. Solidifies that midfield for sure. I mean, the other thing uh, that that was interesting about this deal. I mean, it's not they're considered separate deals entirely, and and I don't know if that's just for money reasons or what's going on with it, but. We also do see Lucas Torreira return to Atletico in that deal on a loan. Mm-hmm. Torreira was uh, pretty unimpressive so far in Arsenal's colors. You know, he made, had a big money move just a few years ago mm-hmm. and never really found his way into that club. There's also been kind of a little bit of a carousel at manager there of late. Yeah. And so with Mikel Arteta hoping to now really solidify things, it seems as though there's no room for him. So. Yeah. He goes back to Atletico in return. I know it's a loan deal, so we could still see some big, you know, changes there, or could still see him return to Arsenal at some point in the future or make that permanent, but that was an exciting aspect of this deal as well. You're going to get to see, you know, what he can really do over in Spain. Yeah, in Spain. 
another big deal in the Premier League, at least another team, I should say. I shouldn't even just say one deal, but the team that was really active today was Manchester United. Manchester United, after that dismantling from Tottenham, needed to make some changes, and they did. I mean, they did. Coming into today, they had only secured one signing this whole transfer mm-hmm. window in Van de Beek. And uh, Donnie. And they come in today with uh, a couple of big names, headlined, I think, by Edson Cavani on yeah. a free transfer. Absolutely. Uh, I honestly was a little bit puzzled by this. I think United has variety of young, promising, and capable scoring talent on this team with Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford, Mason Greenwood. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked to see them kind of, I don't want to say repeating, and I shouldn't call them mistakes per se, but you know, repeating the mistakes of the past of bringing in, like when they brought in Zlatan Ibrahimovic or even Robin Van Persie, who were both, yes, very productive in their times with United and did win some silverware with the club, but clogged up the top of the depth chart and prevented those young guys from really getting much playing time. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be interesting to see how that signing uh, pans out and yeah. how impactful. I mean, Edson Cavani has been being linked to the Premier League for a decade at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to see him uh, finally moving there. Another thing that I thought was a, a big signing, at least, you know, big roster moves from United was they brought in Alex Tellis from Porto. Yeah. Super, super huge move. That's where I think United needed the help. Yeah, Not in their the scoring, line. but on their back line. I mean, they gave up six goals to the Spurs. I know they were a man down for portions of that game, but still. But it's not like you lost a starting defender. It was your attacking threat. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this this is a good move. Uh, Alex Tellis is a fantastic uh play out the back left back yeah, and it's a fantastic attacking fullback absolutely mm-hmm. and uh but they do also see the departure obviously he hasn't played there in years but chris smalling does finally complete his move to roma yeah after and- having been there a couple of successful loan spells and really becoming one of the re- revitalizing his career yeah in Italy, it's good to see for him to make that deal permanent. Yeah, I mean, it was clear. It was clear to everybody that he was not doing well at Manchester United. Uh, was not working out for him. Uh, so seeing this deal completed uh, isn't particularly uh, surprising, but it is. Uh, it is worth noting. Another notable signing: PSG uh, grabbing Rafina. Yeah, from from Barcelona. From Barcelona. Um, it's a big name. Again, it's a big he, name. he wasn't a... really able to ever find flourishing success with Barcelona just because of how clogged up that roster is that and midfield. the talent that they've had yeah. there. But it'll be interesting to see where he fits in with PSG, another team that does not lack talent in any no. sense. The uh, Brazilian connection, too. Yeah. I did want to bring up, too, uh, my boys Chelsea today. Uh, were relatively active as well, not really bringing in any new talent. Uh, they've had a huge transfer window already. You know what I mean? They've they've spent so much money bringing oh. in Havertz and and Chilwell and Werner, Timo Mendy, Werner, Mendy Thiago, Thiago Silva. Silva. Yeah, we don't need to go into it's long. all of those players. They've they've already been very active, but. Yeah. A lot of housekeeping stuff today. Uh, they were managed to. They managed to send out Ruben Loftus Cheek on loan to Fulham, which is good. It gives him some continued Premier League playing time. When it kind of became apparent that he wasn't really going to be getting it no. with Chelsea this season, they're able to get that money off the books, but also get him that valuable experience. I mean, Loftus Cheek was looking like a dominant player. And then he had that Achilles tendon injury that sidelined him for 16, 18 months and hasn't looked the same. He still has promise. He still, you know, seems like he has the technical ability. So it'll be good for him to get top flight playing time at a team where he can really come in and be one of the best players on the pitch for that Fulham side. Another thing Chelsea did was they retained two players that were kind of on the fringes of the roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Antonio Rudiger and um, Tamori both are looking at 
or, or both decided to stay. There had been loan offers on the table for both other Premier League sides. Uh, I know Rudiger actually turned down offers to go to Spurs or go back to Italy and is staying with Chelsea. And then Tamori also had, I, I forget which team it was, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but he had an option. I believe it actually might have also been Fulham to go to another one of the basically relegation zone Premier League teams and and have the option for a lot of first team minutes. Yeah. Both of them decided to stay with the club, fight for their spot uh, in the reserves, especially I was looking at their schedule. Wow, I mean the Premier League has off this upcoming weekend. They have the weekend off, but after that the top flight teams are basically going to start playing games every four days. Yeah, we, we, have, we have a good, uh, with the Champions League group stage starting up, we have games there pretty much every week, midweek, and then we're still going to have the Premier League weekly games as well. Yeah. I, I could see these guys getting some time on the pitch. Yeah, they'll, they'll, you're going to have to wind up rotating. Uh, last thing on Chelsea before we move on to some of the other teams and even a little bit more out of the Premier League, mm-hmm. they also were able to come to an agreement to send uh, Bakayoko their kind of big money whiff from a few years ago uh, mm-hmm. from the French League. French midfielder, honestly, he's actually looked pretty good in his years on loan. Yeah, uh, in, with in, Monaco. In Italy, yeah, and France. Um, so they're sending him back to Napoli, or not back to Napoli, I think this is his first spell with Napoli, but they're sending him to Napoli where he should look to have a relatively immediate impact. Yeah, uh, they they have openings in their midfield uh, since Allen left for Everton this summer. So. Yeah. And uh, also, speaking of Napoli, they also just lost Jose Calajon, who yes. had been there for the last seven or so years. Going on he to moves Florentina. on to Fiorentina. Um, so, a couple other big names. Actually, uh, we saw some big moves in the Bundesliga, which is a little bit more your territory. Yeah, well, we had Bayern uh, going on a bit of a spending spree. So, we- Bayern brought in Douglas Costa. Uh, they brought in uh, Bonasar, a, uh, a right back from the French league and mark roca a uh, a midfielder out of spain they also have chupa motang on a uh, on a free move it, it was a busy day for them we also saw justin cloyvert a name you might recognize the cloyvert name at least completing a deal to go from uh, roma to leipzig and we saw uh, ryan sessignon uh, a very promising outside back winger kind of playing on the left side i think is his position at the moment still, and uh, he's completed a uh, loan deal to Hoffenheim, so he'll be there for a bit. Yeah, so, I mean, it was a big a big day, uh, or a big week, I guess I should say, in world football. We already kind of went over some of the big score lines from the Prem. Uh, were there any other score lines that really caught your eye? Yeah, so we had a we had a Dorbin uh, 4-0 victory, and this actually kind of also brings us into our next point of how the Americans are doing abroad, because Gio Reyna had three assists in this weekend's Dortmund game, which is, I mean, it's a, it's a great showing. Uh, Dortmund looks very good. Erling Holland looks very good, but Reyna putting up three assists really is, uh, just as an American fan, it's just an awesome well, it's thing exciting. to see. The way that a lot of these Americans have been excelling abroad has really been promising and is a change of pace. So, and especially with the youth that they have, I mean, a lot of these guys are, are very young. The youth that they have and the just vast experience that they're all getting at top flight, yeah, you know, competition, it's exciting. With that in mind, obviously the face, I would say obviously the face, but, you know, the, the face currently of this American movement of soccer, Christian Pulisic, also made a made his return this week you know mm-hmm. after getting hurt in the FA Cup final against Arsenal he came back this week he didn't really do anything i mean he was subbed in in the 83rd minute but mm-hmm. it looks as though he'll be competing again with Hudson Adoy for that outside spot in the uh, this Chelsea attacking lineup that's been really exciting to start the season mm-hmm. uh, another pr- american in the premier league deandre yedlin Who's a little bit on the older side? I mean, he's he's probably the old guard now of this, you know, new American movement. Has been on Newcastle for a few years. It kind of looked like he was almost guaranteed to leave this window, especially as 
He is under a year left on his contract. He's plan, you know, a move seemed imminent, and all of a sudden uh, they circle back. Looks like he's going to be sticking around. Could be getting some more Premier League experience, and maybe trying to set up a potential move in the January window. Yeah, um, Newcastle have played pretty well this year, though, so it's no surprise that he might want to stick around for a bit and see what can happen with this side. Yeah, and it, well, but I also wouldn't be shocked to see if he uh, maybe soon loses his place. I mean, he's been our right back for a while, but another American right back just made a pretty big headline this past week himself. Yeah, so Sergio Dest makes his debut at right back for uh, Barcelona. Um, so, I mean, you, you see um, American talent feature for one of like the most prestigious clubs in Europe. It's uh it's honestly quite fascinating. I didn't think we would see it as at this point in our lives. I didn't think this American movement in Europe was going to be such a full force figure, but it really turned out to be. Yep. And uh Chris Richards had a had a big assist for Bayern in their game uh this past week he actually got to got a start in that game yep yeah a young a young forward gets the assist on robert Lewandowski's goal and then um two other things uh tyler adams unfortunately it looks like is going to be out for a little bit with this injury yeah uh, leipzig will be missing him for yeah a it's a bummer he was kind stretch. of off to a really solid start i was really excited to see what he'd be able to do with leipzig had a great and, uh, champions league yeah run. and so that's a bit of a bummer and then uh tim Weah. Uh, now at Lille came in off the bench and that's exciting. Yeah. I mean, he really hasn't been getting any first time, first team play in a little bit, uh, with his French league experience. It's exciting to see him finally making his way onto the, you onto know, the team field. sheet and onto yeah. the pitch. So moving on from the, uh, Americans in Europe, why don't we move on to the Americans playing soccer right here in the States? There's not a ton to report on the MLS this week. Their season is continuing to wrap up. They're into the final phase of scheduled regular season games. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to be moving on to a playoff format. There is a little bit of a, uh outbreak in with COVID, but out of thousands of tests performed, um, they had 10 player positives. So, 10 player positives. Uh, about half of which ballpark came from the Colorado Rapids, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of individual cases from other teams throughout the league. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if this turns into a bigger problem or if they're able to actually keep this contained. As far as results go, though, a couple of surprising ones. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia Union, unfortunately, could not pull out a win against Toronto. They took the lead in the fifth minute. They held it through halftime. They, but I will say, we watched most of that game together, mm-hmm. and the they, Union did not look. The they better did not side. look the better side no. as much as I think they should have at least earned one point. Yeah, they did not look the better side. No, they didn't. They looked really rough. Um, they looked like they were were kind of gassed from the moment they got started. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just really hope this team doesn't lose steam right as we're starting to get closer towards a playoff picture. Um, you know, being one of the hottest clubs all season, and then starting to see this faltering at the end. I just hope that they can really rebound, get their uh, get yeah, their I struggles. Hope they can past keep them. their heads and keep their composure and carry the form that they've had all season into the playoffs. Absolutely. A couple of other score lines worth mentioning. Um, honestly, we're just going to kind of run through these. Yeah. I don't have too much analysis on these. Uh, the San Jose Earthquakes, who have been abysmal this season, yeah. pulled off a upset victory against the LA Galaxy. Yeah. That's substantial, uh, but it's not huge. Uh, I mean, it, re- it really comes to question of, uh, you know, d- do the Galaxy... Well, I think it shows you that, honestly, the East is the more powerful of the divisions in the MLS this year. Oh, I by mean, far, the, yeah. The Eastern Conference, you see most of the competition for the Supporters' Shield. You see most of the dominant scorelines. And a lot of the giants of the West, both L.A. teams, Seattle, Portland. Yeah. The, guy, the teams that have been a staple of success in the MLS yeah. – have really been struggling this year. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be interesting to see how these play out, how, how the end of the season plays out and how the playoffs play out. And especially, you know, it may or may not be conference-based playoffs. 
It may or may not be. They might have alternate structures because of COVID. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, Orlando has been on fire of late. Another scoreline. They won 3-1 to over the New York Red Bulls and propelled themselves into the conversation Mm -hmm. for the Supporter Shield and for the top seed again in the East where Columbus, Philadelphia, and Orlando are all are debatably the three best teams in in the league right now. Yeah, I I don't I don't think it's really debatable. I think they have been. And, and then lastly, you know, LAFC. I did just mention them a, a breath ago about being a you know underperforming a little bit this season, especially considering how good they've been since their inception. Um, they did pull out a win against Real Salt Lake, but it seems like maybe you and I and a couple of friends from the neighborhood yes. could possibly get a result against Real Salt Lake right now. Yeah. They just can't seem to get out of their own way with penalty problems, with defensive woes, and inability to score. They just, they're not really, there's no facet of their game that they can really be pointing to Nothing's as efficient firing. right now. Nothing's firing together. So, why don't we talk about this NBA, this NBA Finals time. It's been uh, an interesting series so far. Right now, the Lakers are up 2-1 after going up 2-0. But Jimmy Butler comes back in Game 3 with a 40-point triple-double. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Buckets really looked dominant. I'm ex- I'm glad because, obviously, if the Lakers go up 3-0, then the series is over. Mm-hmm. Um, they, Heat have been dealt a little bit of a, a, a rough hand with Jimmy Butler being hobbled, with Bam being hurt, mm-hmm. Bam out of bio. This was a major, major, major statement game by Miami to say, hey, we are not, not, we're not just going to roll over and let you take this. We're not. This is not your championship yet. And I, I think there's a chance that this could be a major shift in the tide for this series. I mean, I think they got under the Lakers' skin. I think the fact that LeBron James stormed off the court, which he did, by the way. Anybody who didn't, if you haven't read it, with about 10 seconds left, the clock's still running, the game's still going. LeBron James just walked to the locker room and was followed by a couple of his Lakers teammates. And you hear the official over the loudspeaker saying, uh, we need five players on the court to finish the game because there was a shot clock violation and you can't, you know, the official can't blow his whistle to, to resume play unless there's a, a, both teams on the court. It's a, it's a joke. Uh, that he did that, and I think that's a sign that this Heat team knows how to get under their skin, yes. and we may see this Lakers team start to fall apart. There I'm not saying some, we will for sure, yeah. but I think this series just got a heck of a lot more interesting. Yeah, um, when you when you have an opponent storming off the court, it means you didn't only do something right, but you also kind of embarrassed them at that point. And if that's the case, this Lakers team and the mentality might be more fragile than we thought they look like they were ready they've had this whole mamba mentality with the passing of kobe tragically earlier this year so then seeing this game three result and how poorly it, it, they took it we could either see them come storming out of game four or we could see them like really really yeah, it's either going to be a rallying turn. cry it's going to be a rallying cry or they're going to crack under the pressure yeah. it's going to be one or the other and wow not to you know just hone in on this but kobe dying feels like it was like six years ago at yeah this point. it's crazy it it's... feels like that happened like like that was folklore yeah I mean, no I, I feel like i've aged tremendously like i've i've started a 401k since then it's been crazy yeah, and so, you know, not not trying to take away from the basketball points there, but, you know, just you said, oh, earlier this year, and I just found myself, like, pinching myself, like, holy cow, he's right. It has been. It was earlier this year. Yeah. Um, I was at the mall buying Magic Cards when you told me. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I was at a mall. That was crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, right? All of that just seems like ages ago. Um, one thing that's really crazy, honestly... Also, if we're speaking of things that are crazy. Absolutely. And this is really the only other NBA headline that we have right now. The Sixers just landed Doc Rivers. Unbelievable. Doc Rivers, you know, we had it kind of fresh off the presses last week as he as he left the LA Clippers. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, from I, I watched his introductory press conference today with the Sixers. He said he wanted to take a break. It sounded like it was a mutual decision for him and the Clippers to part ways. It didn't sound like he was not fired. It wasn't a, you know, he was just, I think he was tired. Yeah. You know, he's been running that Clippers team since they brought in Chris Paul and, and Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. Yeah. I mean, that's been, it's been a while with that one team. And, and it sounded like he said, you know, he's like, I was ready for some time off. I was ready to take a break. But then he talked to Elton Brand and he saw the talent on the Sixers roster and he said it was too good to pass up. And so I'm, I'm excited about it. I mean, this is the most coaching pedigree that of any Philadelphia team has had in a long time. No disrespect to Joe Girardi. No disrespect even to Andy Reid. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, Andy Reid gained his credibility here. He was not the most credible candidate in the NFL coming right. here. Um, yeah, I think this is a this is a huge deal for the Sixers. This is a huge deal for Philadelphia mm -hmm. sports, and this is a huge deal for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I, you know, I think it's a really big story for Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid has been one of the best big men in the NBA this past couple of years. But Doc Rivers has taken very good big men in Kevin Garnett and Blake Griffin and turned them into great big men. And I'm I'm really excited to see what kind of transformation uh, Joel Embiid takes under him. And we had Doc Rivers already defending Ben Simmons against Howard Eskin, Forskin, well, something, something like something, that. Yeah, yeah some, some dirtbag reporter in Philadelphia already asking about Ben Simmons' three-point three shooting. And uh, Doc Rivers said, we just want to score and win games. So yeah, I'm, I'm like, down with that mentality. The, he was like, I don't care where the scoring from comes from on the floor, you know, as long as we're scoring and winning games. And then he also took it a step further and said, basically, I don't need to teach Ben Simmons how to play basketball. He's an all-star. Uh, and a rookie of the year in only a few seasons in the NBA. Yeah. You know, so I'm excited. Again, he has that pedigree. He can put reporters in their place. He can put players in their place. I mean, he, on a short list, I'd say top three most respected coaches in the NBA. Yeah, right. You know, behind Popovich. Popovich, maybe Nash. Uh, Eric, not Nash. Eric um, Spolestra, not uh, Brad Nash. Stevens. No, what's his name in, uh, in Golden State? Steve Kerr. Steve there Kerr, we go. yeah. Wow. So yeah, it, it's really a big deal, yeah. and and I'm I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, other than that, though, you know, I'm really excited to see where this NBA Finals go. Mm -hmm. Hoping that Game Four is exciting. I'm still rooting for the Miami Heat. I am as well. I'd like to see Jimmy buckets do well. I, you know, I pr pretty much always root against the Lakers, so. Yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes, and uh, hopefully, hopefully it's not over quickly. I would. I, this is a series, you know. I got no real horse in the race. I would love to see a game seven. Absolutely, be a great time. We had a another bubble playoff series wrap up uh, with Tampa Bay going home with Lord Stanley's Cup. Yeah, Tampa Bay winning their second Stanley Cup, and you know it was about time. The last three, four years, they've been knocking on the door. Mm -hmm. They've been one of the best teams in the regular season. Yep. They've had a roster that has just been overflowing with good talent, and I'm happy for them. I got nothing against Tampa Bay. Obviously, would have loved to have seen our Flyers there. Would have liked to have seen, you know, there's maybe a few teams I like maybe more than Tampa, but I got no issues with Tampa. I like Steven Stamkos. I like Victor Hedman. I think they're a fun team to watch, and... You know, it's just a shame that in a state where not a single, even pre-COVID, when you know, when not a single sporting event or team in the state of Florida really ever sells out their games, it's almost a shame to see championships go there. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm happy for Tampa. What yeah, about What about you? Well, you know. Yeah, you know what? Uh, we've seen Tampa Bay struggle in the playoffs this past couple of years. It's uh, it's good to see them uh, knock off all their uh, all the monkeys off their back and finally finally get the Stanley Cup victory. Uh, it was a great it was a great uh, just entire NHL playoffs for Braden Point. Uh, he really, I mean, he was a good player before this, but he really stepped up and showed that he is a is a top flight. They made it made a name for himself for sure. Yeah. We've got some other news in the NHL. We have a retirement 
Yeah, uh, Matt Neskinen retires. Uh, you know, longtime Pittsburgh Penguin, lo- uh, had a good stint with the Washington Capitals, won mm-hmm. a cup there. I think won some cups, plural, with Pittsburgh. It's possible. I think. Uh, solid player, had a good run with the Flyers this year, provided some much-needed veteran defensive line help. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll, it'll be. Uh, it's a shame to see him go. I feel like they mm-hmm. had him at a pretty good cap number. And yeah, it was, it was a great deal. It, but but also, uh, that's a, maybe not the worst for the Flyers, who are in a pretty tough cap situation as it is, and, not only and that, that gets but some money have, off the books. They also have kind of a, a long pipeline of defensive prospects that they kind of want to get to see moving. Exactly. So it's a way for them to have moved that money off the books without having had to have bought him out or made forced any trades or you know, done anything there. Mm-hmm. Some other just quick housekeeping things, a couple of trades. Uh, Devin Dubnik goes from the Minnesota Wild to the San Jose Sharks. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal only because it means that the Wild are now in the market for a starting goaltender where they seem to have had that locked down. They, right now, are the more competitive of the two teams. I mean, mm-hmm. San Jose's in a bit of a rebuild after moving on from a lot of their franchise staples. And... You know, he's a quality goal t- goaltender. Yeah. Uh, and then we also see Olimata going to the L.A. Kings. Yes. Uh, you know, Olimata's a solid player. Yeah. He's not an all-star. But, no, but, a, a, you know, a very solid 3-4 uh, demon. Yeah, That's... quality piece. You know, in a pinch, you can throw him on a top pair, but he's not a top pair defender. But, you know, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's in the rotation. He's a serviceable NHL defenseman. And then lastly, it's kind of gotten swept under the rug, and it's being done entirely virtually, and, you know, it's never really a giant event as it is the way the NFL one is, but the NHL draft is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Rangers did win the top pick via, you know, we have have our special insider, your girlfriend's stepdad, who... Really gets us some top tier Rangers Rangers info. It's where I get all my updates. Um, but you know, it should be a solid draft. I know. Hopefully, you know, see a couple trades. A lot of these NHL drafts, they're. I don't want to say they're less exciting than the NFL or, or some of the others, but considering the amount of NHL players that need development and are mm-hmm. not able to make an immediate impact on their team, mm-hmm. it's less exciting. Yeah, yeah, the top like three guys might step right onto an NHL roster, but uh, there are guys who are still going to top five or top ten who are still going to need two to three years of development, yeah. and it makes it a little bit less exciting than like the NFL per se, where most first-round picks are slot- stepping into a starting role uh, you know, unless they're like a quarterback or True. an Eagles pick who's not good enough to make the team, you know. True. So and it's also not like we have the the same type of college system where that's all these players are filtering in from through through a college program. We're seeing them come in through you know the WHL, the OHL, Quebec Major. Juniors. Exactly. So it's just it's a different animal entirely. It is. So we don't have you know we don't we don't develop a relationship with a lot of the players beforehand we really we wait and see you know which team picks him up is he is he in part of our prospect pipeline that's kind of where we watch the development of these guys not not so much pre-draft we kind of just get profiles and hope for the best exactly now you know brendan when one bubble ends a new one begins a new one begins it's the hoop of existence it's the hoop of existence major league baseball is moving into a bubble for the playoffs for the first time ever and those playoffs are underway yes we had some pretty exciting first rounds you know these best of three series it's very much like a normal series throughout the baseball season that you got to win there Uh and uh we had some interesting results Absolutely. out of the eight series going on. You know, we had the extended, extended or expanded, I guess would be the right word, playoff field this mm-hmm. year. There were a lot of interesting ones. Uh, in the National League, the Marlins pulled off a surprise upset. The Cinderella Marlins this season mm-hmm. uh, managed to beat the Chicago Cubs. We found the uh, Dodgers... Uh, we're able to beat the Brewers quite easily. The Brewers really snuck into the playoffs there, and the Dodgers have been the best team in baseball all year. The Padres beat the Cardinals. This one was kind of expected. The Padres, despite... Yeah, I mean, know, they're just they smacking were, home runs. Yeah, they've been really solid. And then the Braves beat the Reds. Again, the Reds kind of snuck into the playoffs. The Braves were yeah. really the only 
perennially respectful team in the Metropolitan, or not the Metropolitan this season, but was it the NL East or whatever? Yeah, something. The, yeah. Um, in that Phillies division, the uh, so yeah, National League that sets us up with Marlins and Braves and Dodgers versus Padres, two divisional matchups, which is pretty interesting Absolutely. to see to see those both going after each other. Uh, in the American League, we also had some solid series. The Oakland A's beat the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox, who, you know, two-thirds of the way through the season were the hottest team in baseball and pretty much took a nosedive that yeah. last third. Wheels kinda, really fell off that yeah, bus. Yeah, really kind of skidded into the playoffs. Yeah, and then, a lot of sparks. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then they kind of burst into flames uh, on the landing there. So, yeah, the A's kind of moved on pretty handily there. Where was the, Captain Sully? <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> The Astros managed to beat the Twins. The Yankees clobbered the Indians, and mm-hmm. Tampa clobbered Toronto. So, you know, the upcoming series here, which actually started today, uh, Athletics versus Astros and Yankees versus Rays. Mm-hmm. Some more divisional stuff. Remember the A's-Astros? There's some some tension there There's after the way blood. yeah after the way that the cheating scandal was exposed there yeah, and the broke. Yankees and Rays have some bad blood they've had numerous brawls over the last several years two yeah. division rivals that you know do I not know, get along I know that the Yankees and the Red Sox is the rivalry that has all the lore and you know the history behind and it the curse and that, but but these teams really hate each other do not like each other and so either. this yeah. is going to be this is about as exciting as baseball can be do so we get to, do we get to is there going to be a big enough fight in this postseason do you think I hope we get at least one but yeah. you got to be careful but baseball I think fights all the, also suck and I think all the players know the deal you you can't find you, you getting suspended for the regular season's one thing. Yeah. Getting suspended on your way to a World Series run is another. Real dumb, but you never know if you're down in a series what could happen. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. So uh Diving into these new series coming up, uh I'm really excited for the Marlins and the Braves, you it's know, as, be as much as I low key kind of hate the Marlins, I hate the Braves way more yeah. and the Marlins I, I do like me a good upset story, so I'm kind of enjoying this run that the Marlins are on. Mm-hmm. They've, you know, I think they, I've, I think I saw, I could be totally off here. I, I'm not a baseball, you know, baseball is probably the sport we talk about that I have the least background in. Yeah, I'm not, I'm no Ken Rosenthal. But I think I saw something that was like, basically, the only times that the Marlins have ever made the playoffs, they've made serious runs. Like, they're not, they don't make the playoffs often, but they I mean, they won the no. World Series uh, in I think it was two thousand one. Yeah. Um, and because I think yeah. I was on the the Marlins Little League team the following season. Uh, it might have been two thousand two because I don't think they 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 weren't in the World Series after nine eleven. No, they were in the one after that. Yes. Um, I think it was the Diamondbacks who won it in two thousand one. I don't. Remember. Um, either way. Yeah, it shows you our baseball knowledge. We were also six years old. We were six years old, too. But uh, I'm rooting for the Marlins against the Braves. Uh, Dodgers-Padres is going to be really exciting. That's going to be a a great series. I think I stick with my boys, the Dodgers, even though San Diego has been really the most most fun and other than maybe Miami, the most unexpected team in the league this year. The Dodgers are so dominant. Yeah. Uh, they really are. And the Dodgers just, they have a more complete game. They have the best. Yeah, the they pitchers, the, the bullpen. I mean, yeah. Kenley Jansen's been a little bit shaky this year, but remember they're pulling in rotation guys off the bench to hit who are batting like 310 with like eight home runs exactly. in a 60-game season. So, like, yeah, that Dodgers team, I do think they end up pulling that one out. Uh, the Athletics and Astros, another really exciting series. This one did not get off on the start I thought it was going to. I thought the A's were going to win handily against the Astros, against with, especially with Lance McCullers on the mound, who tends to, as soon as he loses a grip of a game, totally Fall apart. falls apart. Yeah. Um, and despite losing a grip on the game early, the Astros just came storming back and scored 10 runs in the in the latter half of that game and end up winning that one pretty handily. Yeah, I still like the Athletics in that series, though. Yeah, well, I, I think a lot of it's going to depend on how Zach Greinke does. He's it's had a really a bad ma- season. It's a major factor. He's had a really bad season, and they're without already without Verlander. 
They lost Garrett Cole this past year. Mm-hmm. So the, right now, the only guy who you can really or you should be able to rely on is Zach Greinke, and he hasn't been there. No. So I think it's a little sh- shocking in my mind, honestly, that the Astros even made it this far without him consistently playing. Mm-hmm. But I guess those bats really caught fire. That's what matters. You know, um, and that brings us to the last series, which I, I think, you know, really... I, it's hard to call baseball super entertaining, but I think these are four really good series. Braves, mm-hmm. Braves, Marlins, Dodgers, Padres, Athletics, Astros, Yankees, Rays. Yeah. This might be the best of the group. It's crazy uh, to The think. Rays were the second best team in baseball behind the Dodgers, or the two went back and forth all yeah. year. The Yankees had injuries galore coming into the season with the number one lineup and really just number one roster in baseball just just had injuries galore and then they gathered production from parts of the team that they totally weren't expecting it and now have those guys getting healthy who were hurt for most of the season and now back and yeah finally getting the machine going meanwhile though against this race team that has just been on a roll and hadn't shown any signs of stopping no and so i'm really excited to see how that series goes Uh, it's honestly going as we speak Uh, i know first pitch happened literally right when we were sitting down to to record today I haven't even looked at the score line, no. but uh, I'll we're check it bunker, out after the game. So yeah, we we're, in, we're, we're in the bunker. We're, we're, we're locked in. So that's something I'm hopeful of the Yankees advancing. If it, if it were left up to me, I would love to see a Yankees, honestly, Yankees versus A's or Astros. Uh, that's the only series I'm totally indifferent on, A's versus Astros. If anything, just the A's for some fresh blood and the fact that the Astros are cheaters. Yeah. Uh, you know, so give me Yankees A's and then give me Dodgers Marlins. I would, I would love to see Marlins Padres, though. I think that's I think I that would be that. fun, too. Uh, again, uh, Dodgers Padres, it's almost the opposite. Athletics and A's, um, it's indifference. Dodgers and Padres, I like them both a lot. Yeah. They're teams that over this year, uh, as much as I can like a team, you know, I almost am... The way I feel about baseball is kind of similar, almost like a college fo- college teams, where it's like, other than the Phillies, I have no real affiliation to anybody, and I have no real even f- strong hatred for anybody. Yeah. There's no teams that piss me off. So like, I just like I watching like how Mets. I like watching how these teams. Yeah, I don't like the Mets either, but or the Braves really. Yeah. But I, I like watching how these teams almost run a season. It kind of almost seems like a campaign or like a you know a one off, especially mm-hmm. with the way that COVID has been and the altered season and all yeah. the new rules and all that. It's not the marathon of a normal baseball season. It's been a sprint. And I think that's allowed me to kind of follow these teams closely, follow the baseball season closely from start to finish, and keep an eye on every team, yeah. which is something I've never done before. No, me and either. so as a result, I have a level of enthusiasm with these Do- the Dodgers and the Padres that I really haven't had about many baseball teams. Uh, you know, I've never gotten to experience baseball this way before. Yeah. And so that's why with that one, I'm actually just going to be happy with either. I was hoping that... You know, either I really kind of still hope either of these teams make it to the World Series and or win it, but I would be fine seeing the Marlins run a Cinderella story. Uh, You know, I kind of don't want to see the Yankees win, even though I actually do kind of like who they have on their roster. Mm -hmm. I like a lot of those players. I like Stanton. I like Judge. I like Gary Sanchez. Mm -hmm. I like Voight. You know what I mean? So. I, I think it's going to be a good one, but yeah, give me the Dodgers, give me the Marlins, give me the Athletics, give me the Yankees, and that's just my ballpark yeah, picks. What, I just, what do you got? I just, I just don't want to see the Braves or the Astros. Pretty much anyone else, I'm, I'm, I'm down with. But I, I think, I think the series I'd like to see the most is, uh, isn't like an Athletics versus the Padres. That'd yeah, be a good one. That could be fun. So, uh, going, moving on to the last segment of the week, the last league, and boy, do we have some exciting stuff to talk about. The NFL. What a week. A quarter of the way through the season, believe it or not. Four games in for most teams. A couple of teams have only played three because week four is the first week of buys, and mm-hmm. there were some scheduled buys this week and some unscheduled buys this that week. That is absolutely the case. NFL is dealing with its first outbreaks of COVID. This is something you and I have been talking about for months leading up to this season Mm -hmm. as we got excited. And, you know, I don't really know how to feel about it. The Tennessee Titans had a major outbreak. The basically a team shut down. They had to push that Titans versus Pittsburgh game to next week. 
to, to week know, seven to week seven rather now not next week they they but they and they rescheduled both teams by for this week mm-hmm. that's pretty significant it's pretty substantial yeah i'm curious to see how that goes and to see you know obviously we need the titans to show less players you know to have negative tests and to show that they've beaten this not the opposite and so i don't know how that's going to work no it's going to be it's going to be a little bit rough the only other player that I saw, at least, especially it's a headline player, but I hadn't seen any other players in the league test positive, is one Cam Newton, mm-hmm. Patriots quarterback. And this is even more stunning than the Titans-Pittsburgh headlines because that game got pushed back. The Steelers, or sorry, the Steelers, the Patriots and the Chiefs are playing as we speak. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs are up. They were up, I think, two touchdowns last time I saw, or two possessions, not mm-hmm. two touchdowns. but uh, And... I think it's crazy. Uh, I think it's insane that the NFL pushed this league or pushed this game to go on anyway. I think it's insane that they would make one team compete without a starting quarterback and in a game that could have significant implications. I mean, the Patriots were projecting to be competing for or winning that division. You know, mm-hmm. the Bills have looked really good, but it's going to come down to the Patriots and the Bills. Yeah, it's this not is, really the Jets or Dolphins division. Yeah, and. Um, you know, this could have playoff implications this game. Well, yeah, and not only that, but we don't know really what the expo- the real exposure window is with this virus. So, you know, you have you have one positive test and you have a whole bunch of other negative tests, but you don't know that everybody's actually negative, that they're not, you know. Ca- ca- like you, you just don't know what's going exactly. on. So there- it's interesting to see it get pushed through. Exactly. And so it was pretty surprising in my mind. And again, the competitive advantage... The fact that you're making a team compete without its starting quarterback against two playoff caliber teams compete without their starting quarterbacks for a game that will have full counts in the standings, Mm -hmm. but also less than 72 hours removed from when their positive test was, I think that's pretty shocking. It is. I'm hopeful that there's not a significant fallout from this, but you and I have been saying time and time again that we thought that the NFL was going to have real issues with COVID, Mm -hmm. that they were going to really struggle. They were going to be able to start the season, but seeing how they finish it was going to be the real challenge. Mm -hmm. And this is the first hurdle. It's a big machine, and it takes a lot to make the NFL work. We see it every every Sunday and Monday and Thursday on the sidelines. It's a massive group of people. It is a production. Exactly. Aside from, you know, COVID-related news, I I think the biggest headline coming out of this week is the Texans just fired their head coach and general manager, Bill Mm O'Brien, after they get off to an 0-4 start. And an ugly 0-4 start. Yeah, and I gotta say, I'm, I'm shocked pretty much across the board. The only thing I'm not shocked about is that I think Bill O'Brien should have been fired, and I think he should have been fired sooner. Yeah. Or, most notably, I think Bill O'Brien should have never been general manager. Yeah. He had one of the worst tenures of general management that I've seen in major sports, especially in the NFL. This team is currently... It's the worst since Chip Kelly. Yeah, this team is currently a dumpster fire roster-wise and salary cap-wise. And despite the fact that they're 0-4, they can't even be excited about that. Not that you'd really be excited about being 0-4. But they don't have their first or second round pick this year. No. So they're not even going to be able to replenish and say, oh, well, at least we're getting a top pick to fill a major hole. Not to mention a lot of their, you know, especially on defense, or I shouldn't even say a lot of their stars, but in my mind all I can think of is J.J. Watt's getting old. J.J. Watt's getting old. Yeah. J.J. Watt, you know, so. And then, it's, and I mean, once you lose that, you lose almost the entire identity of your defense you lose a walter payton badge on your team like it's 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 no good exactly and so i think bill o'brien should believe it or not i do think bill o'brien should be given another head coaching job in the nfl i don't think he was a good head coach i think he was a middle of the pack head coach but if jeff fisher got like seven jobs you know what i mean bill o'brien should get another shot at it but he should not be given gm controls he does not know how to be a general manager he does not understand the value uh and you know compensation formulas for players and picks and trades and he really set this franchise back for not just this year but potentially years to come it's going to take a little while to undo the damage that he's done especially now that you have a team with a 0-4 start going to be a rough transition speaking of rough transitions our philadelphia eagles 
are now the top of their division with a 1-2-1 and one record. Right now, the NFC East, or more commonly known probably as the NFC Least, this division is something like 2-12-1 against the other divisions. But the Eagles stand alone as the, uh, as the sole leaders in this division. Yeah, this is laughable. Our whole division is the joke that is laughable. You're right, though. 2-12-1 this season, you know, through... Four games. I, yeah, or I guess I guess we're... Oh, no. I don't know where we are in that. Well, we we all of us are four games into it. Yeah, but I was going to say, I feel like there should be 16 results, not... No, because there's been division games already. Yeah, so either way, I mean, the only wins against out-of-division opponents have been when the Cowboys came back against the Falcons, Falcons. and us beating San Francisco last night. Mm-hmm. The tie was also us. But, yeah, really embarrassing at 1-2-1, and one, leading the division. Um, oh, no, you know what it is. Uh, never mind. Yeah, no. It is because we played in the division. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and so it's one of those things where it's just been an ugly season. None of the teams really look good in our division. And the fact that we can pull out a win and immediately go from winless to sole possession of first place in our division a quarter of the way through the season is astonishing. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. Two other headlines that I think we just wanted to address, you know, speaking of the NFC least, the Cowboys got absolutely clobbered by the Browns. Yeah. Uh, it seems like this Cowboys team has no problem scoring. Nope. By the way, it's score line 49 to 38. Yeah. Cowboys team has no problem scoring. Dak Prescott has been putting up Madden-like numbers every game this season, and yet that team just, they have literally no defense. It's as if they're not putting a defense on the field, and these offenses are just running scrimmage plays. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's surprising. I think it was something close to 300 yards of rushing Yeah. for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Odell Beckham scored three touchdowns, mm-hmm. had... I'm pretty sure close to 100 yards receiving and rushing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a Browns team also missing one of their premier running backs. Well, yeah, Nick Chubb goes down in the first quarter of that game and looks like we'll be on IR for a bit. He's mm-hmm. going to be injured for a while. You know, that's the benefit of you have Kareem Hunt, who was an every down back <laughs> just a few years ago before he assaulted a woman on videotape. Yep, and then so, you have uh, Darnus Johnson, too, who also looked from, I'm very good, but he looked good against a Cowboys run defense, so who knows? Yeah, well, I think the bigger news out of this, at least what I want to talk about, yes, we already talked about the NFC least, how the teams in our division are can't get out of their own way and can't get wins, but I wanted to say the Browns have scored more than 30 points in three straight weeks, something yeah. they haven't done in 50 years. Yes. They are 3-1, and one, mm-hmm. something they haven't done, to, I think, I, maybe ever. I can't remember any time yeah. they've been this decent. And they're rolling in a division that doesn't look... I mean, yes, the Ravens look dominant, but I could easily see the Browns maybe even sneaking out one win against the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Or I could also see... Uh, you know, the Steelers pulling a win away from either of those teams, but I think this division becomes suddenly a lot more interesting with the Browns starting to live up the potential that that roster has had with the weapons they have with Austin Hooper, Landry, Odell Beckham, Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and a number one overall draft pick in Baker Mayfield. You know, not to mention a defense that is littered with top 10 draft picks or, you know, mm-hmm. considering where the Browns have drafted. And for Miles it. Garrett is, has been very good again this season. So, yeah. This uh, uh, this Browns team has has kind of turned it around. That's this is the first the first corner on that turn that they need to make into being a legitimate and legitimate team. Yeah, so I think that that was a uh, you know this Browns team suddenly becomes a team worth keeping an eye on. Mm-hmm. And then um, another thing that I think was pretty exciting uh, was the Chargers versus Buccaneers game. Now, I don't really like to focus in on games that Tom Brady wins usually because mm-hmm. uh, I don't love Tom Brady. Neither he does uh, He does put up five touchdowns and lead a late comeback to, you know, yeah. sneak this win away from the Chargers. But I think the bigger story here is the Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert, once again, looked like an NFL quarterback. Still can't get himself a win. No. But really looking like an NFL quarterback yeah. putting up I believe over 300 yards again for yep. I think the third straight time in his three career starts. Yes. 
showed poise, showed accuracy, showed playmaking ability, showed mobility, showed arm you know, strength, arm strength, yeah. accuracy, and and it really just makes me wonder how they go back. Anthony Lynn goes back to Tyrod Taylor when it has been made clear when you draft him sixth overall that Justin Herbert is the future of this team. Yeah, and he's hit the ground running. They said they wanted to bench him for, uh, you know, potentially the whole year because they didn't know if he had the ability to handle an NFL offense. I think we found all the proof we need. Yeah. I Unfortunately, Austin Eckler does get hurt, looking mm-hmm. like he's going to miss four to six weeks with a hyperextended knee. Yes. But I don't think that I would lose faith in Justin Herbert, even without Eckler on the field. I think that they're run game has you know proven proficient when Eckler can't be out there. Mm-hmm. Kelly's been Joe Kelly looks really good. Really good. And as much as it sucks for Tyrod Taylor and as much as it's unfair especially because he was injured by the team doctors. Yes. If I'm Anthony Lynn, I stop tiptoeing it. I give this rookie the boat of confidence that he deserves and has earned. Yes. And I say, guess what? I know I said he was, it was Tyrod's job to lose, but you know what? Justin Herbert, now it's his job to lose. Mm-hmm. I, no, maybe not name him the full-time starting quarterback for the next decade, because that's a lot of pressure, you know. But yeah. But say, hey, he's proven he can handle the workload, and unless I feel he's in over his head... I'm going to stick with Justin Herbert on the field. Yeah, it's it's going to be really hard to pull this job away from him at this point. He's put together really, really good performances. He's been let down by the other side of the ball, by this defense not able to keep uh, keep these games close, um, and you know, and let the let the offense kind of hold on to the ball. So it'll be interesting to see because they are winless. So you don't know if he's going to quite keep his his job and his starts. But it, it, he's definitely looked more than capable of being uh, an NFL quarterback and, and not the reason why they're losing these games. Well, uh, so I got a question for you. Here's a curveball. We didn't, we didn't prep for this question at all. No. But three weeks into one's career, four weeks into the others, mm-hmm. if you're an NFL GM and you have to pick one, do you pick Joe Burrow or do you pick Justin Herbert? Oh, wow. This is a really good question. Um, I guess uh, Joe Burrow got his first win this weekend, right? Joe Burrow did get a win, yeah. And Joe Burrow has looked really good. So I don't think anybody would fault you, whoever you pick here. So is Justin Herbert. Um, and so I, I mean, I I think I don't think you're a loser and not in either side of this bet. But I, I think you, uh, I think I would go with Joe Burrow again, just because he's stepped into the role and already already looks really comfortable and he just had the job outright so i think he just has the the slightest edge but the numbers that herbert are putting up are really impressive and 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 no joke how about you what are you thinking see i actually i think we disagree with each other here Uh, i don't again i think you're a winner no matter what i think both of these quarterbacks at least currently knock on wood for them at least i don't really care but uh, look like they will live up to being first-round picks and first-round quarterbacks and worth the pick, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like a, even after the fact, I don't know who I would choose, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning back yeah. in 2001. Guess what? Both of those franchises should be thrilled with what they got. I know we like to make Eli Manning the butt of a lot of jokes, especially here in Philadelphia, yeah. but you got two Super Bowls, you got two Super Bowl MVPs, mm-hmm. you... You know, and then Philip Rivers. You beat Bill Belichick. Philip Rivers, on the other hand, never got the playoff success, but no. was a staple in the NFL. Was a staple in the top ten. Was honestly kind of a staple in the AFC Pro Bowl behind Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Yes, but you know, and I, a lot of kids. You and have I, a lot of kids. <laughs> a lot of kids. More so than playoff wins. I, I think that's where you're kind of in a situation like that this year, where it's a win-win. Yeah. Uh, but I think I go Justin Herbert. I like his size more than Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. I think he's demonstrated a little bit more mobility. Joe Burrow has also demonstrated mobility, mm-hmm. and I hate Ben Roethlisberger. But Justin Herbert reminds me a little bit of Ben Roethlisberger, but more mobile. Yeah. Uh, he's got that big frame, though. He kind of got has the, the big, strong arm, yeah. where Justin Burrow, I think, is a lot more accurate. Or Sorry. Joe Burrow, I think, is a lot more accurate. I think Justin Herbert has more of the big play cannon, gunslinger type, Brett Farvey, you know, Mm -hmm. even kind of Pat Mahomesy, 
can just launch that cannon of an arm and also has the mobility, the athletic capability, the playmaking ability, and the frame to, you know, kind of, I don't even, I, I don't want to say Cam, I mean, part of me wants to say Cam Newton, but I don't want to say Cam Newton. I don't think he's that much of an athlete. No. But having that giant, I mean, Cam is 6'5". Herbert's 6, I think 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, he, he to be able to, even running things like a quarterback sneak or things like that. Yeah. I mean, he just adds a level of dynamic that I think Joe Burrow's talented, and I think Joe Burrow also, again, he can move. I've seen him. He's had a couple of impressive scrambles. He's, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I think I go Herbert. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really close, uh, and Herbert's definitely definitely a specimen, but I've, I've just seen passes, those sideline passes, where it's you're squeaking into windows. I think I've just seen Joe Burrow already do that with such proficiency. It's really it's really a sight to see. I think he, I think they're both really good talents though, and I'm really excited to see how they develop over the course of this NFL season. Yeah, and so I'm I'm curious to see where they go, and not even just this season, but the few seasons to come. Especially you know those were two franchises and and full 55 man rosters that we're in very different positions coming into this season and so it's going to be exciting it's going to be interesting and i'm you know it's good to have early first round talent and what looks to be franchise shepherding quarterbacks living up to the hype yeah, find and, success and finding success and providing promise to these teams because that's what it's all about absolutely so with that I think that's all we got for you guys this week. Yeah, a lot of fun this up. week. Um, a lot of great things to talk about. And we got a lot of good things to look forward to. Some of these new soccer players joining their new teams. Yes, well, following the transfer deadline up. day. We have, you know, we just finished the first quarter of the season. And God willing, we'll be able to finish the second without any major COVID issues. Mm-hmm. And see how the football season chugs along. I'm excited to see how the baseball bubble works, and honestly, like I said, this is the most excited I've been about a baseball playoffs and since really 08, 09, when the yeah. Phillies were making runs. So, a lot of good things to talk about, and we're excited to fill you guys in next week and keep it up. Keep yeah. you guys, keep you guys posted. Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for joining us. You can find us on our social media pages at bott podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can reach out through us there, especially if you want to grab yourself a sticker. We've got uh, two and a half inch die cut vinyl stickers, great for laptops, water bottles. If you want to stick it on your car, I'm not going to stop you. But I think I think that just about does it, everybody. So uh, stay safe, wear a mask, uh, be good to each other, and we'll catch you on uh, on Thursday for our picks preview. Yep, for hey. week five. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>